welcome to the Healthy Catholic Moms podcast, where we make moving and nourishing our bodies a priority so that we not only fulfill our vocations, but excel in our callings. I'm Brittany Pearson, a Catholic wife, mom, and personal trainer, and I'm here to help you build healthy habits that actually fit your life. I am here to teach you how to get the results that you want and maintain the results that you want without spending hours at the gym or meal prepping all weekend long. I understand. I am right here with you, getting my workouts done in the nooks and crannies of time, looking up recipes while nursing babies, and trying to prioritize my own health amidst everything else going on. But I have really good news for you. You can get the results you want in less time without doing hours of cardio and restrictive dieting. I am going to teach you how to use strength training and eating in a macro balanced way to get you feeling so good in your skin, full of energy and strong to carry out your life. Okay. (laughs) On this podcast, we'll delve into how to lose fat in a simple, sustainable way what your workouts and nutrition should look like during different seasons of life, like during pregnancy and postpartum times. We'll also discuss healthy, quick meals and how to get them on the table, make food that kids will actually want to eat, mom hacks for making your day run more smoothly, and so much more. All the while with continuous encouragement to stay the course and live with discipline. This is a place where we're striving to steward our bodies well in order to joyfully serve. I am so happy you're here. Let's dive in. Hi, beautiful ladies. Welcome to today's episode. Thank you so much for tuning in and for hanging out with me. I promise to do my best. I had to say to do my best and I was going to say I promise to make it worth your time, but I can't promise that. You know it's me. You know sometimes there's going to be tangents and probably some TMI, but I promise to do my best to make it worth your time and I will No matter whether or not we go down some different roads and go down some tangents, you know, I will get out these five ways. So you just stay tuned. All right. (laughs) I hope you're having a wonderful week, wonderful day, and I'm just happy you're here. Thank you for pressing play and for coming back if you're here with me all the time. If you enjoyed today's episode, I'm going to actually say this too. I haven't asked for this in a while or reminded it. I would love and really, really appreciate if you would rate the podcast. If you're listening on Apple Podcasts, you just scroll to the bottom of my podcast. Um, Once you select it, there's an option to do star ratings and a written review. And it just helps get the word out more, helps it to appear for other ladies. So and on different platforms, it's a little bit different. On Spotify, you can do just star ratings and it's different, you know, platform to platform. But you can, I'm pretty sure, rate it on every single platform in some way. All right. I would appreciate that so much. Only if you think it's worth it. And, you know, especially if you keep coming back, it's probably you deem then worth your time. And I'd appreciate if you took a second to do that. Thank you. Okay. So we are talking today five ways to speed up your metabolism. Your metabolism is responsible for so much. It's regulating your body heat. It's There's just a lot of factors that It's kind of chicken or the egg. Like, is my metabolism responsible for this? Or is my metabolism acting this way because of this? And you can speed it up. Yes, because I know already some of you might be thinking, well, I just, my, my family, genetics, we all have a slow metabolism. Yes, genetics are an absolute factor, but there are things that we can control. And I am very much a believer in the idea that we need to control the controllables. And then, yes, there are other outliers and things that we can't help. But Sometimes it's such a big excuse that we let ourselves believe and we fall into. 
I thought that forever. I just thought I'm just big boned. I thought that was a thing. And the said, I'm just thicker. I'm just big boned. I'm just built this way. I'm just athletic. And my body shape really, there are certain elements of that that are still true. You know, my lower half is definitely like always going to be thicker. I don't think, you know, there's, there's still always going to be, even at my leanest, it's still thicker than maybe the next person's. But I thought back in like college days, like this is just, I'm just always going to be big boned and like athletic. And the way my body changed to through the years of after college, before I got married, when I was at my leanest, I, my physique was very different. It wasn't like, oh, I just am big boned. Like, like I said, there were still elements that were there. Okay. I still am going to always have strong thighs, thick thighs. Okay. But my physique was very different. So had I just kept believing that, you know, there's just certain things that we think, well, I just have a slow metabolism or I'm just getting older. I'm just going to have a slow metabolism. And yes, metabolism can slow with age, but there are still things that we can do to speed it up. And these five areas I'm going to go into will help with that. If it is slowing due to age, it might also be slowing like reasons. I'm not going to spend too much time here, but another reason you might have a slow metabolism is because you've really put it through the ringer, yo-yo dieting. And, you know, we only know what we know and we only do the best we can with what we have. So I'm not saying that so that you feel guilty or ashamed or whatever of like, oh man, I even did more damage with trying to do a better thing. No, we can't go back and change things. However, I do say that too, to hopefully encourage you to stop the yo-yo dieting if that's still you, because it's wreaking havoc on your body. Your body really likes to stay the same. It likes homeostasis. It likes to know what it is taking in, what it's burning, when things vary wildly, when some days we're taking in way too little calories, then we're eating way more the next day. When we're doing tons of exercise, then we're doing long periods of none. It has no idea what's coming. And that's going to cause our bodies, really oversimplifying a lot of the science behind this, but it's going to cause our bodies to cling to fat and to say, whoa, 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 we don't know what's going on here. We're under stress and we just need to hold on to what we've got. And that's the opposite of what we want to do. We want a healthy active, revved up metabolism that's burning fat for us, even at rest, that is using fuel properly, that's not stashing away any extra fat because it's panicked, okay? I'm really making it sound like a person, but you you can. So I want you to know that no matter the state of your metabolism right now, um, I will say like you, if you're like, I have no idea the state of my metabolism, signs of a slower metabolism could be things like you are eating healthily, There's a lot there that we could go into, but say you are eating generally healthily and you're being really active, you're prioritizing strength training, you have a lot of movement in your day and you're not seeing any fat loss and you're going after fat loss, maybe you do have a a slow metabolism currently. If you are not sleeping well, maybe you have a slow metabolism. If you are not able to progress in your workouts, maybe that's due to a slow metabolism. Like There's just a lot of different factors. If you have a fast metabolism, you're probably seeing the opposite of all those areas. You're able to lose fat when you're pursuing fat loss. You're sleeping well. Your body temp is pretty normal. Like you're pretty, your mood is pretty regulated. Those are all signs of a good metabolism. All right. So a lot of us, even if we have a good metabolism, majority of the time, it's good to revisit these things to think, okay, well, maybe I just came off a vacation or I've just been kind of slipping around the past couple weeks or months or whatever, need to kind of get back on track, or how can I do this? These are the list that I came up with for you today is very back to basics kind of ideas. 
What I did not include on this list are the things you're going to see in women's health magazines or in like online articles that say like eat cayenne peppers, drink green tea. There's some, you know, those are things that I think I can't speak to the science behind it because maybe there's a lot of science that and you can argue with me all day on that. I just know if somebody's not doing these other basic things or is not working out or eating healthy at all and just decides to put hot sauce on everything and drink three cups of green tea all day every day, you're not going to see that much change. Maybe a very minuscule amount of change to what you saw before. I think it's similar to somebody who's like washing down a Big Mac with fat burners. Like you're trying to put lipstick on a pig like it's not working. So and I think a lot of times that's the first route we try to go. It's like, okay, what can I band-aid this with because I don't want to fix the real problem or really change my behavior. The ones that I have on this list for you today are change your behavior or alter a few things kind of like back to basics that are actually going to work. The other things might be icing on the cake, but you've got to have these pillars in place first. Okay. So number one is to put on some muscle. Okay. I alluded to this a couple of weeks ago when I was talking about uh, the best workout plan for you. And I mentioned that you should be strength training a minimum of three times a week. And I will say it again because I referenced it in that episode, but all of you might not have listened to that. I was listening to a Dr. Gabrielle Lyon podcast that I've only listened to one or two episodes from her. So I don't, I'm not recommending it with like, uh, okay, I've read every single thing or listened to every single thing and I like it all. But I did listen to a great episode that she put out. I don't even remember the two ladies' names who she interviewed, but it was really more about what they were discussing. And they were talking about, the topic was, if you look up that episode, something about can women's health get better with age? Or can women's health really improve with age? And they were talking specifically about perimenopausal and menopausal women. And one of the biggest things they said was, you need to be lifting weights at least three times a week. And I've always said that, and it's confirmed there, affirmed there. Whatever age you are, and so that, like I mentioned, metabolism can slow with age, you need to replace the muscle you're losing. One reason for that is because you're you're losing muscle mass as we age. So you don't need to panic about, I don't want to get too bulky, I don't want to get too bulky because you're going to be losing it progressively. So all you really need to do is replace what you are losing, right? So think of it that way. It's not like Yes, there can be a too bulky phase, but there's going to come a point. I'm 31. (laughs) How old am I? 31. Right now, I might still think, okay, I could get too bulky. I do add muscle easily. So if I was doing like really, really heavy deadlifts or really heavy overhead presses, like my traps might still grow. There's going to come a point when I'm 40, 45, 50, 55, where I'm not even going to be concerned with that because it's going to be like, well, this is all going to just be replacing itself. Rarely are you going to see an older woman who wasn't already, who didn't already have a lot of muscle. You know what I mean? Like all of a sudden put on a huge amount of mass at 55, 60, 65. So I wouldn't worry too much about that. But we do know that we do lose muscle mass with age. Muscle also does a ton of other great things besides help our metabolism, right? Protects our bones, all this great stuff for our body. So it serves your entire health and your entire body to put on some muscle. So Whatever phase you're at, you know, if you think that you could stand to develop muscle a little bit more, lift a little bit heavier, do a couple more reps, add a couple more sets, that might help speed up your metabolism. Okay, number two, this is really important, guys, is to get quality sleep. So many times we're trying to check all the other boxes and we're saying, yeah, yeah, sleep, yeah, yeah, stress, okay. I get it. I've been there like, well, I can't do anything about those, so I'm just going to kind of skip those. It's shooting ourselves in the foot 
to just ignore this. Now, I know this is really hard because given the demographic of those of you listening to this podcast, many of you have really little kids. You're not sleeping well. Many of you are pregnant. You're not sleeping well. You're postpartum. You have a newborn. You're not sleeping well. I totally get all of that. And I relate heavily to all of that. Okay. But the sleep that we are responsible for, like if if we are routinely getting five, six hours of sleep by our own choices, right? This is the control the controllables, right? All the things are out of our, out of our control, but we're going to control the controllables. If we're up to our own decisions, making the choices that lead us to five or six hours a night regularly, that's the lifestyle we've set ourselves up for in one way or another. Maybe it's because you're working so much or because you're staying up to have that kid free time or whatever it looks like. It's just making things really hard for your body, for your metabolism. Our bodies are so intricately, like any science that I learn further down this road that I, you know, may not have been as informed in before, I'm blown away by how everything works together and how then we just try to, so many of us try to just add artificial things or supplement with things when we could have just done what we should have done in the first place. Like, for example alcohol does not help your sleep. So if you're having a glass of wine or a drink before bed thinking it's going to help me sleep better, it doesn't. It might help you fall asleep. It's not quality sleep. And I'm not, again, this is not me guilting or shaming anything. I like to have drinks before bed too. So it's not every day, but you know what I mean? Like on the weekend, I'll have a drink on a Saturday night with my husband, watching a movie, playing cards, etc. But it is going to affect our quality of sleep. Then say we get a couple crappy hours of sleep in that night. We wake up, we pump ourselves with caffeine to try to stay awake, to get through our day because these are the choices we've made. Now, I am totally of the camp here and of the team balance. I would love to say I'm of the team that I always pick no alcohol before bed and I always get seven, eight hours of sleep and all that stuff. But that's not true because there is a part of me, my husband and I talk about this all the time, I'm like, I just really don't think I'm going to be 85 and look at you and be like, I'm so glad that we got eight hours of sleep every night and, you know, that we never stayed up late to do this or that we never did this or whatever. And I think there's a balance because you could hear that and say, well, yeah, but maybe you wouldn't have lived to 85 to do that. Or maybe you would have been really unhealthy at 85 with all these ailments and diseases and things because you totally went the other way. So I think the answer is somewhere in the middle, as it usually is, that routinely to strive for quality sleep and within what you can control to set yourself up for good sleep, prioritizing that over other things like watching one more show or reading one more thing or even like a late night workout or early morning workout, prioritizing that sleep instead because these hormones are just getting jacked up by us putting sleep totally on the back burner. Okay, ghrelin is the hunger hormone and that absolutely is affected by lack of sleep as well as the hormone leptin, which controls how full we feel. It controls satiety. So if your body is low, I think it's this way. Don't quote me on this. Low in leptin, you're not going to register your full. That's why one of those reasons that we, that's one of those reasons why <laughs> is the way I wanted to say that, that we might just keep eat like when we're tired, we tend to eat more. And you might be like, yeah, I never, I never noticed that. Like, I wonder why that is. I'm always hungry the day after I didn't sleep well. Or if you have a small child, like your child was up all night, et cetera, because your hormones are working against you. They're telling your body you're still hungry because your body's under stress and whatnot. So it's more important than you think. It is one of the pillars of health. Think of that. A pillar is what's supporting a house. This is not like 
a decorative lawn ornament, okay? It should be a pillar of your house. Some phases in life are better suited for it than others, but we need to, you know, control what we can control and then kind of meet in the middle with the rest. Like I said, there are times I pick, oh, I do really want to see that friend. It is going to be a late night. I'm only setting myself up for six hours of sleep, but it's one night, you know, out of how many, it's fine. I My friends are more important to me than sleep today. You know, we can make those choices, but in general, back to revving the metabolism, sleep is going to help you do that. All right, number three is to eat a consistent amount of calories. This is so important. This is so, so, so important. Start it, double start, write it down, put it on a post-it. If you are starving yourself some days, eating more the next day to compensate, you're all over the place, your body is going to go into fat loss and into fat saving mode. Like it is like, I have no idea what's going on cling to all the fat, store it up immediately. Any food you give it then, I'm oversimplifying this too, but say you just ate really low calorie and then you eat two donuts, it's going to immediately take those carbs and store it as fat because it doesn't know when its next food is coming. Instead of if you're really well fed and you eat two donuts, your body might just start metabolizing it right away and you can just put it to work in your next workout or start going, like go for a walk and you're already burning it off. You're using that sugar as energy but it can't do that if it doesn't know what's coming next and it has to store it as fat. So I see this so often that women will, especially we're in the middle of a challenge right now, a lot of times I set someone's macros and they'll be like, this is way too high. Like it's really not because I looked at your logs for one entire week and some days you were at 1200, some days you were at 2300, some days you were at 1500, some days you were at 900, some days you were at 2500, all over the map. That's really, really bad for us and bad for our metabolism. So we want to even it out. So when I set them at 1,800 or 2,100 and they say, holy cow, like that's too much food. No, you're going to actually even out your blood sugar, even out the calories you're eating day to day. So your body knows what to expect, knows what comes. Your body likes that consistency. Okay, so everybody's calorie needs are different. I can't just blanket tell you what yours should be. But unless you're doing something really nuanced like carb cycling or something like that. That's really the only thing that I can think to bring up there. You should be eating similarly day to day, but at least enough. Even if you are carb cycling or doing something where you're eating less calories one day or the other, it still should never be crazy low. I've said before that I do think it's fine to kind of skim back calories on a really sedentary kind of day, like a travel day. If I'm driving in the car to Virginia Beach 12 hours, I'm not going to eat the same amount as I normally would, but I'm not going to eat 500 calories or even 900 calories. I'm still going to be within striking range of what I'm usually eating, right? But my body's also not burning as much. So those little nuances are okay, but in general, just go with, try to keep it really similar day to day. All right, two more for you. Number four is to get enough protein. Very closely related to getting enough calories, you need to make sure that you have the right balance of protein in there. So I'm big on balancing out your macronutrients, your carbs, your fat, and your protein. Protein looks really different on your body than carbs or fats. This was really interesting. Don't remember what study it was from. This was also from that Dr. Gabrielle Lyon podcast that I think those ladies referenced the study about um, women who like they did not change the calories at all, but they had somebody like one group eating higher carbs, one group just changed just their protein and their body compositions changed drastically without looking at changing or adding exercise. I think maybe nobody was exercising. I don't remember the exact parameters of the study, but I absolutely understand that and believe that. That was one of the biggest factors for me in my initial body composition change years ago 
was I was already lifting. I was already teaching a bunch of group fitness classes. I was working out all the time. I thought I was eating healthily. Once I got my macros in gear, but particularly hit protein regularly, my body was just like changing on its own. So protein also uh, has a factor to it called thermogenesis, where it literally burns calories just to digest it. So that's a way to rev your metabolism right there is you're going to burn calories just from digesting it. They used to say that about celery. I don't know if that's actually true or not, that you'd burn calories while eating celery, but I don't like celery. I'm not, I'm not eating it just to burn calories. So there's that. But protein does. That is proven that it does burn calories just to digest it. Lastly, don't turn it off. I know, but managing stress really does help to rev our metabolisms. I was talking about hormones related to hunger. Well, cortisol, I'm sure you've heard this before, is a hormone that helps regulate your appetite. So high cortisol levels are associated with obesity, disordered eating, weight gain. High cortisol is not good, okay? Cortisol, I think I believe is also, I, I didn't look up the links to this, but I'm pretty sure cortisol can also be related with sleep. So it probably ties back into that too, that your, your levels of cortisol are just naturally higher, I think, when you don't get enough sleep as well. So there's another reason to get sleep. But our bodies cling to fat when we're in a state of high stress because everything else, like fat loss, like our bodies like to stay the same. So if you're trying to lose fat, but there's all this other stuff going on, all these stressful situations, feelings, et cetera, worry, anxiety, your body's not going to try to do the other thing that you're trying to get it to do, which is fat loss. It's like, let's keep everything how it is. Let's cling to every calorie we get. And we're just going to, you know, this is especially, there's a lot of different studies that show high cortisol levels being linked with um, especially belly fat. And I'm not super well versed in that area, but that might be something worth looking into. I think just in general for your overall health, happiness, longevity, trying to live as stress-free as possible is just your best bet, whether you're trying to rev your metabolism or not. Just to be your healthiest self, having little to no stress is really great. And I know you might hear that and be like, Brittany, I have all these responsibilities. I have kids. I have this, that. Like, I'm just stressed. Finances are a thing. This is a thing. We have a lot of, you know, family things, whatever. I get it. I relate to you probably in most of those areas. There's tons of scripture to turn to that tells us how useless worrying is, how we are not to worry. We're told the exact opposite of that, that we just need to pray for the grace to get through that day. My grace is sufficient for you. All these beautiful verses we can turn to, do not worry about tomorrow. Tomorrow will take care of itself. Sufficient for the day are its own evils. Of course, I'm not giving you the citations because I never know where things are cited from. (laughs) I know a lot of scripture verses, but I don't know where they come from um, offhand without looking them up. But so many beautiful ways in scripture, the Lord is telling us, like, let tomorrow be tomorrow. Let other people's worries be other people's worries. Stay in your lane. Worry about the things you can control And just think about the ways you can manage this. Because, again, you might hear this and be like, well, there's so many things I can't control. Right. But maybe you don't realize that you actually are stressed out some of the times because you just picked up your phone in the middle of your day with your kids and looked up this thing, like just were flipping through Facebook for what you thought was going to be a quick restful break. But you actually saw something really upsetting. And, yes, the positive would be maybe you could say a prayer for that then and offer up sacrifices for that maybe. But maybe you just are going to be really tense and stressed and snappy the rest of your day or for the next hour of your day because you're upset by what you just saw. 
I know that for me was really big and one of the big factors that I wanted to have the goal of putting my phone down more with my kids because I would just get too emotionally affected by everything I saw. Pick up my phone. Oh, school shooting. Now I'm upset for the rest of the day. Oh, this. And we don't need to live in a bubble. I get that. But again, visit scripture, talk to people that you trust and mentors that you trust who are very much like Mother Teresa. What's the way to change the world to stay home and love your family? Okay, so we don't have to keep our heads in the sand, but I think that we're allowing a lot of unnecessary stress into our homes, into our lives just by our phones, just by looking up stuff that before would not have been in our world. There's so much good to social media. I'm obviously on it. We can look up things. We can learn things. We can encourage each other. It can be a great tool, but it can also like open up things that would not have been open to us before. We only would have, you know, encountered our neighbors, our family, or people right around us. Maybe you would hear from somebody in a letter like these people's problems several states away, several countries away, whatever, would not have been up in your face for you to be concerned about. There's also everything is, you know, there's an awareness day for everything now. We take on every concern. Like we are supposed to bear one another's burdens, but I think right now we make that one another a little too big. I think before that meant bearing one another's burdens was like helping the family next to you in the hut next to you or whatever when somebody passed away that you'd step in and help or you would grieve with them or mourn with them. I don't think it was what we make it out to be now that we have to I also think that a lot of us, I know I'm guilty of this, don't take action on a lot of these things anyways. I do typically, if I see something upsetting, say a prayer. But otherwise, most of the time, I don't start a crusade. You couldn't, you literally couldn't start a crusade for every single thing that you see that's, you know, unjust or is something that really does need attention. It's it's not all under our responsibility, okay, and under our purview. So I think that's a really great way to manage stress, stress, <laughs> to manage stress And that's the thought I'm going to leave you with. So again, that overall health piece, I think that we went to hopefully a spot that hit home with a lot of us today because I wasn't intending to go so crazy down that managed stress route. But that's just, you know, what's on my mind and heart as well. So back, quick recap, five ways to rev your metabolism. Number one, put on some muscle. Number two, get quality sleep. Number three, eat a consistent amount of enough calories. Number four, get enough protein. And number five, manage stress. If this was helpful, I would so appreciate if you would share it with a friend, share it on your Instagram story, something like that. Maybe rate and review if you haven't done that yet. And I just thank you ladies so much for being here. Next episode, I'm going to chat with you about what my schedule looks like as a stay-at-home mom because maybe it will be helpful to share that with you. So stay tuned for that and I will talk to you next time.